third chapter. revisit a, a verse that we talked about last week. Um, kind of lightly touched on it, but I just I feel like we should go back there and just go through this uh, area of Scripture so that we get a thoroughly full understanding of what the Lord's trying to tell us here. So in the third chapter, it's in the 26th verse. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. I can stop right there. I've seen a lot of people who have a lot of faith in a lot of things. They had faith for healing. They had faith for wonders and signs and different things. But this verse right here, if this doesn't sum up our Christian life, we're in trouble. Because we are sons of God, children of God, through faith in Jesus Christ. And then verse 27. For as many as were baptized into Christ, you put on Amen. Lord, we thank you. We're going to take these words from the apostle this morning that you inspired. You inspired a holy word written not just to the church of Galatia, but, Lord, it's open for all time. Your word is good. It's rich. It's powerful. Sharper than any two-edged sword. Whenever it was spoken, it had, does not lose its power. It does not lose its directive, its anointing for us. We ask you that this morning this word will come alive to us, touch us, move us, we pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. If the Lord wanted to do something in your life, would you allow him? Amen. One of the things I need to just say briefly, it's been a long time since I've mentioned this, so if you have ever seen a Greek New Testament in which the scripture was written in Greek, if you've ever seen a Greek New Testament, you will notice that there is no punctuation in the book. In fact, it's very difficult to read because the words aren't even separated. It just looks like lettering, 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 lettering. And so us being not able to read that way Somewhere in time, they separated the words and they began to put in the punctuation so that you and I would know where to stop sentences and where they should begin again. They slipped chapters and verses in there, so we can up. That was for us. But at the same time, it's like a two-edged sword. What they've done is they separated thoughts where they thought that the thought should be separated. And I don't think that necessarily some of those places are accurate. So it's okay to take a comma out of the Bible. That, that's not sacrilegious. It wasn't in there in the first place. Somebody else put it in. So if you want to take your chapter line and say, no, I'm not stopping the chapter right there. I'm just going to go right through it. That's okay. 
If it looks like a sentence to you, looks like that it should extend. That's okay. Because all punctuation was put in there for our good, but sometimes it doesn't bring us to the accurate thing that God was trying to say to us. So with that in, in mind, we're gonna we're gonna work with that after a little bit, but some thoughts run together in the scripture. Um, I think there are times that he stops a thought and starts another. And, and that's for sure that happens. But the thoughts of God I'm not sure that God thought in sentences. He thought in the logos of God, the reasoning, ration, rationale, and begin to flow, begin to flow. And so the way this reads in the literal Greek, for all sons of God you are, through because of the faith in Jesus Christ, for as many as were submerged into Christ, you have put on Christ. So let me go back just for a minute. And I did mention this the other day. I do not believe this verse is talking about water. And for this sermon this morning, we're not talking about water. Water does not wash your sin away. Water does not bring you into another level in Christ. If it did, somewhere it would be inserted in this. It said, well, baptism. No, the word baptism here doesn't always indicate water. Are you going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit of God? That has nothing to do with water. Say amen. Just doesn't have anything to do with it. So I think this scripture here is void of the thought of water, and it really has nothing to do with water as much as it has to do with being submerged in Jesus Christ. I think it's a fault of the, the modern church. Not just water, but this idea that we can be submerged in all kinds of other things. Be submerged in worship. Being submerged in worship Rob Barsley said that the other day when we watched that. He said, the church is now worshiping worship. We're now praising praise. And, and where's the Lord at in this? And so, this, this idea of something else taking the place of Christ is never going to work in our Christian life. And so, I want to take this little last phrase. You have put on Christ. Put on Christ. And so I want to deal with that for a little bit. You put on Christ. The Greek word is in do. It's not endow. Endow is a completely different word than in do. What in do means is to be clothed with. To sink into a garment. I have a coat that I love. My son Rodney hates it. My wife Kay hates it. Why are you wearing that old thing? And I've had it, I don't know, 
15 years, maybe more, 20 years, it is worn out. It does have frazzles on the sleeves. It does have some spots that are torn. But when I put that on, I don't know. I, I really can't describe this to you. It's just a good feeling. It just feels right. It feels, mm, that's the color. And so Rodney goes and buys me a brand new coat to trade new coats for old. And I said, uh-uh. I'll wear the new coat, but when I want that comfort and I want that feeling, I'll put that old coat on. Am, am I the only one here this morning with that? Does anybody else have something like your favorite? If you do, just raise your hand. I want to see how many other stupid people there are. <laughs> Just favorite. It's just like, oh, that is just love it. So I don't know when that coat finally gives out. I'm going to have to have a funeral for it or something. <laughs> out in the backyard, put a cross out. <laughs> but so the Lord gives us this metaphoric truth in the the the, the account of the product. Some what we call the prodigal. Prodigal is not in the you know the word not in scripture, but what it means is the one who left and came back. So everybody knows the story of the prodigal. He was in his father's house. He was enjoying all the goodness of his father's house, and comes to a place in his life where he's ready to leave and go out and do his own thing, be his own man, get out from under the father's watchful eye, and go out and get out. And so the Amish students, I don't know if it's because of the story of, of the prodigal or what, but the kid gets 18, I think it's 18 years old, and then they expect that young man or young lady to go out and sow their wild oats. That's the most craziest thing I've ever heard of. You know, you've been Amish raised up, you know, with good morals and everything, now go out and, and live like a dog. And then after that, you'll see whether you want to be Amish or whether you want to be English. Well, it's kind of what this guy did, this prodigal. He'd been in protection of his father's house. He was covered. He was good. Daddy was watching over him and everything. So he said, Father, I want what's coming to me because I want to go out and experience my own life. And the father did. He gave him his share. And the young man took his, took his money. And a fool and his money are soon parted. He spent it. The older brother said he spent it up with harlots. He was living it up, drinking and carrying on, throwing women, wine and song, having a great time until he ended up in the pig pen. And there in the pig pen, it comes to him. The servants of my father's house have, have, have it better than I have it here. And he wanted to eat the hog food. That's pretty desperate man. And he says to himself, I will arise and I'll go back to my father's house. Now what I'm going to tell him is that I don't deserve to be here. I left. I took everything you gave me. I squandered and spoiled it. I'm not even worth being called your son. I'm not worthy, but can you just bring me in as a servant? So he purposes in his heart. He sets off down the road to go home. And when he gets afar off, the Father sees him there. Which says to us, the Father must have been looking, right? Probably every day he's looking down the road saying, when's he coming back? Because the Father knew 
that the life that that young man was going to live was going to destroy him. So that father was waiting for an opportunity for the son to come back home. And what he did, said the father ran to me. So this is not just a story. And it, it was an event. It actually happened. Jesus said there was a certain man who had two sons. So this is not a parable. This is, this is not just some story that Jesus made up. Not a metaphor. But it is likened unto the kingdom of God. I'm going to tell you something about our Lord. And we've had some, some people that have walked off. We've, we've had some trouble even recently. But I want to tell you this. You turn and set yourself to go back to the Father's house. And it is my belief that the Father is going to be waiting for you there. Looking for you there. And will come out to meet you. Running out to meet you. And fall upon you. And begin to kiss you fervently. Because he has missed you. Not being in his house. He tells the servants. He's hugging the boy. He tells the servants. He says. Go in my house. And get my best robe. The Greek word there is the. Protoss robe. The cheap first. Number one robe. The best thing I've got in the house. Go in. And I want you to get it. And when you bring it out, I want you to endue my son. I want you to cover him with my best robe. I have to believe that this is the Father, our Lord, sees us coming in. Even though we feel like, Lord, I've failed you, I don't deserve to be here backslider who once was in the house of the Lord serving Jesus, falling back and coming back to him you don't feel like that you should be in the front, you feel like you should be the last, you feel like you should be the least, but I'm going to tell you how the Lord views it, he's so glad that you've come home he's so glad that the sinner has come home, so glad that the child that was lost has been found, that he picks his best robe and he puts his best robe on you. Not something that old, raggedy, worn out thing will just close you with that. But he puts his best robe. I want to tell you what his best robe is. Put on Jesus Christ. His best robe is Jesus Christ. The righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It's exactly what our Heavenly Father so we don't want to forget the elder brother in this story because I don't want to forget us. We're not backsliders this morning. We're not, we haven't just come back to the Lord. We've been serving the Lord. If you've been serving the Lord, say amen. And so the older brother, he's got a problem. I can understand it. I can, I can understand where he's at. It's not right, but I can understand it. The first thing he said, this your son has come home. He doesn't say this, my brother has come home. He says, this your son. So he makes this separation from him and the other boy. And doesn't that happen in the church a lot? 
Oh, we're praying God save people. God, bring them in, Lord. You know, and then God brings somebody in. And we're like, yeah, you're here, but you're not really my brother. You're just, you know, you might belong to the Lord, but you don't belong to me. And the elder brother's upset. He's troubled. Throwing a celebration for a boy that went out and squandered everything with harlots. It's not him upset. But the father looks to the elder and says, listen, listen, listen. Don't you understand this? And I, I want to tell everybody here this morning. Don't you understand something? Everything I have is yours. You can put on Christ this morning because everything he has, it's yours. You don't even have to come and repent and say, Father, I'm no good and I just want to be a servant because it's already yours. What the Father has in the Father's house and the best robe that's in the, in the closet in the master bedroom belongs to his people. Son, don't you know everything I have is yours. And I have to, you know, after pastoring for such a long time, you realize that people go through things. And sometimes they just need to realize I need God to take his best robe out of the closet and wrap me up in his best things. So I will feel like I belong to him. Can you say amen? Sometimes you get up in the morning, I know this, I'm human just like everybody else. Get up in the morning and, and, and I've got so many things in my mind, I've got to do this, that, that, that. I don't feel, you know, sometimes. I don't feel like a like an overcoming son of God. I am, but I don't feel like it this morning. And then there's sometimes that you are battling a battle in your life. You're going through it, you're having trouble. You just feel a distance from the Lord sometimes. You feel like, you know, you just Praying, they say they used to say this. You pray, your prayers, your prayers just don't—they just hit the ceiling and don't go any further. Lord, do you hear me? But what you have to understand, older brother, is everything God has—it's yours. It is yours. Now I'm not talking about physical things. Okay, I claim a Cadillac right now. No, I'm not talking about that junk. I'm talking about putting on Christ. On Christ. Now I want to look to the Lord as the example of Hebrews 12 chapter said, now looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, looking unto Jesus. So if we can't find it in the Lord, we're going to have trouble doing it ourselves. I want you to know, one of the things that God did in his wisdom coming in flesh and dwelling among us is that God wanted to show us an example of what we can be in the flesh because he walked in the flesh right Philippians the second chapter and and he emptied himself he didn't walk around as God he walked around as man even though he was equal to God would have been very easy for him just to have walked as God but what does he do he humbles himself he empties himself He's being found in the form of a man, in the fashion of a servant, in a man. And he does that so that we might see 
What we also can do because he did. Now I'm not talking about walking on water. That, that, sure, that can happen. Sure, it happened one time in the scripture. It can happen again. I'm, I'm not saying, but that's that's not the norm. The norm is is that we walk every day as he walked, as he is. So are we in this world. So when we look at that great example of what he did, and so I want to bring him into this this morning. Is everybody okay? Say amen. So look at under Jesus now. This premise that I want to establish out of the scripture that Paul gave us by the Spirit is submerged, or we'll called baptized, submerged. It's what the word means, submerged. And endued. So the Lord at Let's go to the baptism of the Lord. John in the water, Jesus. And let me tell you this real quickly in case you didn't know. John was not out there baptizing in Jesus' name for the remission of sin. Sorry, that was not what he was doing. He was bringing the hearts of men and women to Christ. Said that he is. It's not me, it's him. So he's not putting the Lord down in some kind of a formula. He's not, the Lord doesn't need repentance in his life. That's not what's going on. But the Lord is eclipsing from what we call just regular social living into messianic ministry. So what he's going to do is go through the water. The, the Lord showed this so many times when he took people from one place to another, when he takes Israel out of Egypt, what do they do? They come to the Red Sea. And what happens to them? He has to take them through that because there is a separation from what they were to what they're going to be. That's what baptism is about. You say, well, you know, they were all saved by water. Yes, but they didn't get in the water. We go back to Noah because Noah his, Noah's eight was saved by water, but they weren't saved in the water. But the water showed a sign from where you were to where you're going to be. Sort of a transfer of, of my life of what I am. And I think baptism still shows us that today. If we want to talk about water. Baptism shows, hey, I'm identifying with Christ. I know what I was. I know how I walked. I know the, the, the failures of my life and the sin of my life. But now I am in Christ Jesus and I'm going from that life and I'm going into another life in Christ. So I guess we can look at that and say that's sort of putting on Christ too. But, but I want to look at the Lord's example of being submerged and then being endued. He goes down in the water. He is back submerged. And when he comes up, then he is anointed. He is endued. Now we're talking about the man, Christ Jesus. He is endued. With spirit on a man. He is absolutely saturated. The garment of anointing is on him. That's why when he goes to his local church and picks up the scriptures to read. The spirit of the Lord is upon me now. He is endued. Acts 10.38. How God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Everybody following it? 
Just say, well, he wasn't. No, he is Christ. The word, the word Christ, Christos in the Greek, means anointed. He's not Christed, if I can use that term. He is not Christed until he goes through the water, till he is submerged. Then he is endued. And now he is the Christ. He is Jesus of Nazareth before that. He is Jesus the Christ after that. So there's this subverting and then there is this enduring of the power of God. So I want to follow another example. Let's look at him on the Mount of Transfiguration. All right. Everybody remember Mount of Transfiguration. Peter, James, and John go up with the Lord up to the Mount of Transfiguration. There he is transfigured in their front of their eyes. He turns Brilliant, white, shining in the glory of God. He is submerged. When he is submerged, there these guys are sleeping and they go to sleep like a lot of church folks. When they wake up, he's coming out of the cloud and they hear a voice. Jesus is submerged in the glory. He's submerged in the cloud. And now he is endued and becomes the acknowledgement of the voice of God in the earth. Don't hear anyone else. Hear him alone. He is submerged and then he is endued. So we go to John, the first chapter, 18 verse. Find out. Somebody said, I was teaching years ago, somebody said, where is Jesus right now? Where is he? And at that point in my life, I didn't, you know, I had some things yet to learn, and I was, I was trying to learn. But it says that the only begotten Son, the one who is in the bosom of the Father, Endued, clothed in the glory of God. See, he's the image of the invisible God. You will never see God. But you will see the image of the invisible God. You will see the God who became flesh and dwelt among us. But you will never be able to see the glory of the invisible God. It is Christ. He is the image of God. And now this image, this son, has already said in the earth, I do nothing of myself. Everything I do, I do because of my father. I and my father are one. He's already made the proclamation that I am completely submerged. My ministry is submerged. My life is submerged in the spirit of God. And so I want you to know I'm not doing ministry of my own self. I'm not doing it because of my own will. I'm doing it because I am submerged in the spirit of God. And now we find him in duty. Sitting on high. The most 
ascended above all. He is the name above all. He is the person above all. And he sits surrounded in the glory of everything that God is. He is the fullness of the Godness bodily. And so this idea that that we submerge ourselves into Christ, then we can put on Christ and have His presence endued in our life. Jesus said an interesting thing. If we want to take baptism as being water all the time, Jesus said this, can you drink my cup? There were three, two brothers, the mother, excuse me, had asked, can my two sons sit by you in the kingdom? One on the left, one on the right. And Jesus said to her, said to the brothers, can you drink the cup which I'm going to drink? Can you be baptized with the baptism that I am being baptized with. That wasn't water. He's getting ready to take on the cross. Everybody say amen. He's ready to take on the cross. This is the cup. This is the baptism that he's going to be baptized with. And then Jesus says something. Can you? But then he says, you will. Now, I don't think he's speaking to them that they're all going to be crucified. But this parallel that I'm talking about, being submerged in the baptism of Christ, and then being in due, because you have been submerged, I don't believe that you're going to be endued with God's things without being submerged into him first. This frivolous little baloney that's going on. There's a lot of it in Tulsa. A lot of it in Tulsa. You know, hey, for you, for you people that are visiting this morning, we're from California, and I mean from California. So we didn't, you know, somebody said, this is the Bible Belt. We're in it, and Tulsa's the buckle. Okay. So they got so many faults, they want to, I mean, there, there's these ideas that are being promoted that somehow you're going to receive all this power, you're going to have this ability, Word of faith, movement going on, all that stuff, the stuff going on everywhere. It's also colleges and, 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 and apparel ministries that are going on. And really, it is absolutely not the truth. Don't name and claim anything, okay? Do me a favor, don't name and claim anything. They said, well, well, you know, ask whatever you will and it shall be done. And wait, there, there is a prerequisite to that. And that is first you must be baptized into Christ. And I'm not talking about water. I am talking about your life being baptized in Christ Jesus. Right. Right. We want to skip that step and go on to the good stuff. And so Jesus said, no, you're going to be baptized with my baptism. It's just too easy to go in the water and come back out. That's not enough. You're going to be baptized with my baptism. In other words, you're going to be submerged into Christ. Well, how can that happen? You know, I just don't understand how that can happen. Well, that's why I'm preaching this morning. So Luke 24, 49 is an explanation of it. And behold, I send 
forth the promise of the Father of me upon you. Now, I, I said that in the Greek because that's the way it reads. I, I sent forth the promise of the Father of me on you. Well, all the English versions will say, I sent forth the promise of my Father. Right? Look at your Bible right now. You're going to see it. It says, but I've taken the commas out. You know, I told you I was going to do that. And I'm doing it right here. So the punctuation, the comma is going to be, here's a double entendre here. I sent forth the promise of my father. Or is it really saying, I sent forth the promise of my father of me upon you. So really is the promise something different than the Lord? And I think the church believes that. No, the promise is something different than the Lord. It's totally different. The, the, the promise of the Father has nothing to do with the Lord. And I'm going to contend this morning that it most absolutely does. That I send forth the promise of my Father and this is it. It's me upon you. And I told you I was disappointed we've been visiting churches and we, we will continue visiting churches in the area I was really disappointed when the gentleman said that you need to basically leave the Lord Christ and go over here and receive the spirit which is separate from Christ I don't teach that I don't believe that the Bible does not teach that so look at here but you sit in the city of Jerusalem until you are Endued. Until you are endued. In says power that's actually God given ability. From on high. So see we use that term. And the church uses it freely. You need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. We all use that term. We've used it in the past. You need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. But what does it really mean? You need to be submerged. And to be submerged is to be completely, 100%. And, and baptism is the type of this. The water is the type. The, the water is not the real. The water is the type. That you are completely submerged. And then you are endued with power from on high. This God-given ability is not given out as an endowment for your use. Right. Heard a man say, you want power? And you receive the third person of the Godhead, you're going to get power. Time out. Until you are submerged in Christ, you're not receiving any power of Christ. Because we would be reckless in our use of that power. And so, it's in Christ. Whatsoever things you ask, but you're in Christ. And when you're in Christ, you're asking the right things. So I'm claiming that I'm going to have this and that and... And bless God, we're doing all these personal prophecies over each other. God's going to bless you. He's going to give you 
you property. He's going to give you wealth. He's going to, give, he's going to take all the wealth of the world and give it unto you. That is hogwash. I've lived long enough to know. Paul said this. I know what it is to abound. Does everybody here know what it is to abound? And if you live in America, you, every one of us have extra. But sometimes you know that you got something extra. Some money came in. Some, some, you, know, you know how it is to abound. And Paul said, I know how it is to be abased. But wherever I am, I'm still submerged in Christ. So that whether I'm rich or whether I'm poor or whether I'm just youth and young and strong and healthy and go get them or whether, Jake, I'm not feeling good and I'm facing questionable future in my life, I am in Christ Jesus. And Christ Jesus is going to have his way in my life. And so I must stay submerged in him and that submerging in him is like that putting on of that comfortable coat glory I know I can't describe it but I know I feel it you come to the house of God and you're just not feeling right you feel like oh man oh, I messed up here I shouldn't have said that to my wife you know she shouldn't have said that to me because I got mad the guy pulled out in front of me. I'm telling you what, Oklahoma drivers, I said, Lord, sanctify me. <laughs> and whatever. And I just come in the house of the Lord and I'm kind of dragging. Anybody ever come to the house of the Lord and kind of dragging? Just feel like, oh, man, I'm here. I love the Lord. Boy, just, I can't wait to go to, you know, go to lunch. That's going to be great. <laughs> Then all of a sudden you realize what you're here for. And what you're here for is to submerge yourself in the Lord. You're not here, you know, for any other reason. We're submerging in the Lord. And because of that, it's just like you, you, you drop into this, this feeling of, Lord, you're with me. You're around me. Lord, you're, you're, your spirit is on me right now. I feel endued by the presence of the Lord. And I know tomorrow I've got to get back. I know that Monday, you know, is a drag sometimes. I know I've got things facing me on the job. I've got things facing me at home that, that are bothering me. But right now, I am submerged in the goodness of God. I am endued. I'm laying back. I'm sinking back into the presence of my Lord. And I feel his garment being wrapped over me as I speak this morning. See, it belongs to you if you take the initiative to be submerged in it. Come on, amen. Amen, 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 amen. And so, most believers think, I've got this broke down, I'm going to read it. Most believers think that baptism and power are external actions. But not spiritually. They are in Christ. I mean, we can do those things only as the Lord leads us. And so our text is those who have been submerged in Christ, they put on Christ. Hallelujah. 
Jesus said, if you remain in me, I want to talk just a minute about him do now. If you remain in me, if you remain in me. Subdued is getting into him. But now you remain in him. It's not like getting in the water and getting back out and going your way. No, you remain in him. See, if you remain in the water, you're going to drown. But we remain in Christ. If you remain in me, then see, there's, there's no format by which we can come to him for empowering and then go our way and do those powerful things. He doesn't have that format. His format is if you remain in me and my words remain in you. Can you say amen? Like, like the, the, the branches of the vine, they have to stay plugged into the vine. The branch can't break off and say, I'm done, vine, I'm going to go my way. It's just going to be just a few days where it's shriveled and dead and there are no fruit. There is no fruit on that because that's not how it works. You come into the vine and you stay in the vine. And when you stay in the vine, then you remain in him. Then you are endued in him. And I want to tell the church this. I've said it before. I'm going to say it again. I'm going to continue to say it. When you go beyond Christ, you have gone beyond God. There's nowhere out there to go. Don't let somebody fool you. You can go to a higher elevation when you get beyond Christ. You get beyond him and don't remain in him. You're going to die like the branches that are, that are broken off. Like, like a fruit tree that, that has seen a, an Oklahoma wind. And now it's, it's bowed over and broken and the branches are broken. They will die. You will for sure die if you do not remain in Christ. And so I suggest to you that you do not go out on a spirit trip somewhere. But you stay in Christ Jesus. Don't go somewhere else beside him where you don't need him anymore. Because he is the one that we remain in. And when we remain in him, we are endued in him with power from on high. Hallelujah. Let me close with this. Matthew 11 chapter. Jesus is telling them. I just, I just kind of, I, I don't quote verbatim, but he's telling them that father and son are not separable. And you can't know the father outside of the son. I'm sorry. No one comes any other way. You can't know the son outside of the father because Jesus said, you know, I am my father. Aren't separable. And I stand on that point in scripture. But then he says, Come unto me. Well, that's interesting. Why didn't he say, Come to somebody else? Because everything you need is in him. That's why I say, Don't come unto me plus. We've got a lot of churches. Jesus plus. A lot of doctrines. Jesus plus. A lot of ideas of people. Good people. Good church people. Jesus plus. But in him is the fullness of the godness bodily. 
And so he says, come unto me, all those that labor, all those laboring and being burdened, and I will give you rest. Catapults. Uh, it's the sinking back into the endowment of God. Endowment of God. I will give you rest. Now, I want to tell you something. Every night, I love the Lord and I know He's going to protect me, but every night I know where that gun is in my head. And so do you. And sometimes I don't rest well at night if I hear a noise. All you men that are responsible for your families and you hear a noise, sometimes I'll just get up. It's usually the refrigerator breaking the ice. It's usually what it is. But it's still alarming. I'll get up, look around, go back to bed. Sometimes in the night I'll worry about things about tomorrow. You ever do that? Yeah, I do that. <sighs> I forgot to do that today and I need to do it tomorrow and I forgot to do it tomorrow. I, I've got a thing with, with Desiree that we're supposed to write a, a, a damn book. I can't, you're gonna have to hold me down. It slips out of my head, you know, and I, well, I'll wake up. Oh, I gotta do that. And, and then the next night, I gotta, you know. It's not really rest that you're having. You think you're, you're in some of you folks. I asked little Rod the other day, did you sleep at four o'clock? The storm was going, man. My bedroom was lighting up. How could you sleep through that? And he would just, he said, oh, we just slept. Good on you. But it's not really rest if you're waking up all the time worried all the time. But Jesus said this. Your spirit doesn't need to be worried. That's a lot of our troubles we're worried sometimes about. Lord, you know, wow, am I okay? All that stuff that comes out. But Jesus said, come unto me, all you that are laboring, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke and learn from me. For I am, I like this definition, because I have strength under control. The King James Version will say, um, you know, I am meek and mild little, you know, there you are with the picture of the guy, little hippie guy, he's got a cheat. That's not the Lord. He is all power. Remember we said a few Sundays ago, when he shows up, he takes all authority. If he shows up in the room, it's all authority. If he shows up at the wedding, it's all authority of his. If he shows up on the boat, it's his authority. It's not theirs. He's got strength under control. And he is home in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. I like this last part. It says, for my yoke is productive and my burden is easy. It's light. Compared to the world, I'm going to tell you something. You think you think serving the Lord, oh man, it's so hard. You just got to, boy, every Sunday I got to get up and go, go to church. Just got to serve the Lord. You know, so hard. Serving the Lord's easy. Serving the devil is hard. As he takes your life, he takes the goodness out of you, he destroys you, he destroys your family, destroys your name, destroys your future. 
And we look at that and say, you know, serving the devil is just so good and grand and easy. And, and serving Jesus is just so hard. You've got it all mixed up. Serving the Lord is easy. This is the good life. Serving the devil is not the good life. And the reward of serving the devil is hell. But serving Jesus Christ is rest for your soul. Are you troubled this morning? Do you feel like you don't fit? Do you feel like you're not one of God's children this morning? Do you realize sin in your life? Do you see your mistakes? Do you see your, your failures? Do you see your future as coming out bad? I want you to know this morning that if you will get submerged in Jesus Christ, that you are going to have the power available to live your life for Him. He will supply the power that you need. You don't have to worry about falling. You don't have to worry about failing. If you are submerged in Christ, He also is going to endue you with power from on high. And so I know from experience and so do you that tough times come. Maybe for a day, maybe for a week, a month, a year, maybe 10 years. And you're crying out, God, you haven't changed anything. God, you haven't. Isn't it Paul said, Lord, my affliction. Three times he went to the Lord and said, my affliction's more than I can bear. And the Lord said to him, you're okay. But my grace, you're going to make it. I want to tell everybody in this church this morning. Don't worry about failing in the future if you're in Christ Jesus. Don't worry about that. He's got all power in heaven and earth. He's got all power to change, to make, to make your life, to mold your life. And that's the great hope that we have. What is our great hope? Christ in us. Hope of glory. Christ. It all goes back to him. Christ in us. Hope of glory. So we are submerged, we are endued with his goodness, his righteousness, his power from on high. Amen. Would you bow your heads with me? Lord, we thank you this morning. I just gave out what you had placed in my heart to give, to preach, to encourage, to strengthen. There could be somebody here this morning that's struggling, and could be more than one for sure. To just going through some stuff. Maybe there's somebody here this morning like the older brother just don't realize that everything you have is ours. All your goodness, your righteousness, your blessing, your protection, your power, your strength, your guidance, it all belongs to us. But we have to submerge ourselves in you, Lord. So God, I've encouraged the church, I've encouraged us, Lord, to not look to ourselves, but to look to you, Lord. Looking unto Jesus. It's what you did. And it's what you can help us do. So, Lord, we ask you for that right now. God, touch our lives, Jesus. Touch our lives, Jesus. Hallelujah.